Coming to you from the Strings and Things studio in Ventura, California, this is the Strings Unraveled Book Club. Good morning, everybody. Good, Good morning. It's early. This is an early morning recording, which is not usual for we us. We either do late or in early. In the evening, so <laughs> I appreciate you guys meeting me early because yeah. this is my preference, but sure, sure. I know it's not yeah. everybody's. I'm uh, the night owl, and I like the nighttime, but this is Katie. This is Katie's I'm time. I'm like prime in the morning, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I start my mornings about this time anyway, but I still don't have to talk to anybody for about 40 more minutes, I'm usually. <laughs> it, no, temperament makes a huge difference. If I, there's the, some people say not, re- not ready for work. I think not ready to talk to people yeah. is more of a setting for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to get up earlier, though, mindful of that fact, um, but that didn't... I mean, my alarm went off. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I was woken up at 1 a.m. by a oh, screaming no. child because we were babysitting all oh. weekend, so... Oh, but, you know, it's fine. <laughs> I got to I got to bed at 3 a.m., so... Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on fumes. I didn't even have caffeine this morning, oh, so... That's sad. Sorry, I have coffee. <laughs> you can make coffee. Yeah, we got a coffee, yeah, okay, have a coffee maker. All right, we'll pause so yeah. Karen can get some coffee. Awesome. <laughs> okay, Karen is back with coffee, so we can get started. Yep. <sighs> Yay! Yeah. It smells really good in here. Now. It does. Now it smells like coffee. Sorry, you guys can't smell how good it smells. Smell a vision. Someone, smell o audio. Smell o audio. Yeah, smell o audio. That would be kind of weird. Yeah, but I don't know how that. It could work. be good, but then the potential for evil is also well, there. That's yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, it's like, uh, yeah. Think about it, like if you're reading a book or listening to an audio book, and the sights and if of all the sounds and smells of the place. I mean, in an audio book, you're getting the sounds, but if the smells of the place I brought it, it real. On the book. Well, yeah, yeah, there's parts of this book I would have liked to like have a sensory smell of, like sure. the smell of the ocean. But or, not necessarily the fish in the hold. Or, yeah, right. Or when she's cleaning out the um, the bilge yeah, tank. The, yeah. <laughs> oh, the bilge tank. <laughs> or just the general smell of the boat. Like, right. actually, never mind. I kind of like that smell, but I don't think I like to live in it, which was the, where I was going with, like, how smell of vision could go wrong. Uh-huh. You know, like how dinner can smell really good when it's cooking. Yeah. And then, a, you know, four or five hours later, it's like, oh, look at all that yeah. food smell in the house now. Yep. <laughs> It's like, so last week, last Saturday, although I guess by the time you get this, it's a few Saturdays back, you know, I thought it'd be great to, really, you know. Really, it's only going to be two. Oh, two. goes out on Monday, right? Oh, that's right. <laughs> two Saturdays ago. Two Saturdays yeah. ago. I I got some, fre- some fresh shrimp to go into my, to dress up my, my box noodles. And um, yeah, the next day when I came in, because I the smell of the sh- sh- the shrimp shells was like oh that's nasty yep <laughs> taking that out <laughs> well um we hinted at it but what book did we read this month ah we read <laughs> uh migrations by charlotte McConaughey. McConaughey. Okay, thank you. I heard someone say it. <laughs> thank God. Oh well, yeah, the audiobook does say yeah. it several times. <laughs> um this is a summary from one of my favorite places to get our questions and summaries litlovers.com it's oh. from the publisher, actually, but this, that's a good resource website. Uh-huh. A novel set on the brink of catastrophe as a young woman chases the world's last birds and her own final chance of, for redemption. Franny Stone has always been a wanderer. By following the ocean's tides and the birds that soar above, she can forget the losses that have haunted her life. 
But when the wild she loves begins to disappear, Franny can no longer wander without a destination. She arrives in the room in remote Greenland with one purpose, to find the world's last flock of arctic terns and track their final migration. She convinces Ennis Malone, a captain of the Sagani, to take her on board, winning over his eccentric crew with promises that the birds will lead them to fish. As the Sagani fights its way south, Franny's dark history begins to unspool. Battered by night tears, accumulating a pile of unsent letters, and obsessed with, the pers- with pursuing the turns at any cost, Franny is full of secrets. When her quest threatens the safety of the entire crew, Franny must ask herself what she is really running toward and running from. Propelled by a narrator as fierce and fragile as the turns she is following, Charlotte McConaughey's Migrations is both an ode to our threatened world and a breathtaking page-turner about the lengths we will go to for the people we love. Okay, then. Um, impressions of the book? Feelings about the book? Um, I enjoyed it. The The um, good thing about Book Club is that it, it forces me to read things that I would not have picked myself, and I probably wouldn't have picked this up just if I like saw the cover and read the back of the book you know as my even though it's my pick i also would not have chosen this book unprompted (laughs) yeah i was like okay that sounds fine um and i thought it was fine you know i it was compelling and i you know i enjoyed listening to it i appreciated that it wasn't super long um because i felt like it could have been much longer if she wanted it to be oh i don't know if i could have taken yeah i love i love i'm glad it wasn't it was um, actually the perfect length yeah Yeah. it's very rare that people know when to stop Mm. And this was, and the way the story unfolded, giving you, it, it, as the story unfolds, my impression of the characters. So artful. So changed. Yeah. Yeah, So, and that's a gift to be able to do the Mm -hmm. the gift of storytelling where your initial impression is one thing. And over time, as you hear bits and pieces of their backstory, you're like, oh, okay. I think that's my, my like feeling about the book is that I the it, it was extremely well written um I enjoyed the the book based on that and the character was interesting but I felt like if it had been any longer I would have I was already growing a little tired of her by the end of the book but if it had been longer I would have been like okay I'm over oh, this see you know? I feel differently about her I liked her more as the book went on mm. um but yeah the hero's journey is so exhausting usually anyway yeah. like it had to come to an end. Yes. <laughs> um, or this story, you know. Um, I had a hard time getting into the book because we were coming off of the energy of Outlawed. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, yeah, it's very different. And she's, she's, she's just so different. Mm-hmm. And the way she's painted and, and then unveiled, like I had a full evolution of my feelings towards her because I found her very annoying at the beginning of the mm. book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah I, I did too. I'm like, okay, this, this person that's just kind of is that has this fantasy idea. She's got no money, no real plan other than oh, she's going to convince somebody. Well, okay. We know she doesn't at the have time, money. Yeah. At the time we don't right. know it. We just think she's at got the no beginning money's... I was fully fooled, fully fooled right. that she's a researcher and she's doing this research mm-hmm. and her only motive is her like care for her work. And we yeah. should say it's it's set in a future where all Is it the future or is it just like a 
No, it's it, a near no, future. No, it's a, it's the near future I because yeah. tell if most it was like the future or just a reimagining of the present time. Oh, that's fair. Oh, okay, okay. Because like the technology and stuff didn't seem that different from You're right. present day. I think I think it's a, what you said. It's a reimagining of the present day, but it's a it's a, it's it could be near future, future too. Yeah. yeah. Let's but just call it an alternate universe. In this alternate dimensional <laughs> universe, I think it's dangerous to call it an. I think that can I finish? No, because I think it's dangerous to call it an alternate universe because that negates the bigger story that yeah. Charlotte's making. That's us very true. That's true. But Let's go, just I mean, say, you can it's, say but it's an imagining want. of the near future. If things, an imagining yeah. of the near future where pretty much all animals are extinct or are close or beyond saving because in, things in the world and environment have killed killed off the animals so much thing people people like, yeah we have clear we did indictment it. of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean think about a time where there's there's no animals in the wild or in the zoos there's That's zoos don't zoos don't even exist there's just there's, there's one reserve and yeah. there's really like no birds no uh, i mean it did i appreciate birds more no i still don't like when they wake me up i still That's do not question. like happy sounds of birds in the morning <laughs> I'm not I, a I totally morning person. I'm feeling so emotional about birds when I see them. Right <laughs> but now. I do now. Now I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, because there's we're, our our world is so vitally important, and it's pretty. They're, clear they're so the, important to us. What that that's the point of the book. Yeah, from the get go. But I must have not been paying attention at the beginning, because a couple, you know chapters in or whatever she was talking about how there weren't any animals left and i was like what do you mean there's not wait what's going on well but like i don't know yeah, what no no i think no i think i was like wait they, that's what's going on i don't remember that very subtle it's very yeah. subtle none yeah. of us got that at first and it's kind of i, I think thought that, i had missed something but i think I that's the point attention. we're so unaware of these animals in the world around us we take them for granted you know we don't it's like a different reality for us we're we're trying we she does she like she is it is subtle and it's not it's like i that's what made it feel like a different like mm -hmm. you said a reimagining i'm like i can't even imagine there's no animals in captivity there's no animals in the wild you mean what do you mean there's no animals yeah. i'm kind of confused and that's the point of this sort of happened they were told this was going to happen people went about like, their lives yeah. not paying attention and it happened <laughs> And okay. the lions are going extinct. And right. The, yeah. yeah. It all happens in her lifetime. Mm -hmm. Like I made, which might be why it's confusing. Like sometimes there's animals and sometimes there's wild interactions with animals. Right. And sometimes there's not. Um, like I made a lot of notes during this book. <laughs> how, how old do you think she is? She's um, 34. Right. They said wow. that at the end. So can you imagine within the scope of 34 years, all wild, all animal life, you know, is pretty much yeah. zero. Um. What would the what would the environment look like? Oh, that's scary. Well, that's thank you. That's perfect segue, Karen. Um, <laughs> because the note I made myself is this book is like many horror stories in the subtle of everyday terror of how change and bad things can sneak up on our normal mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. The idea that all Good birds point. could be gone in one person's lifespan. Yeah. Like it's so it's like some of the best horror movies that are out there right now. It's, it's so... just we're living our everyday sunshiny life. And there's nothing left except humans. <laughs> and it's so sad to think that we could see that happening. Right. Yeah. It's not yeah. that it's so, you know, out of left field that you're like, that would never happen. But right. Like, oh, but it could be because most happen. of the majority of us go about our lives with zero interaction of any kind with anything other than a domesticated pet. So the concept of an animal in the wild, other than the occasional, like where we live, um, 
a condor or falcon that flies overhead. Again, birds. <laughs> I saw a frog I mean, hopping down. The I hear a toad outside day. my window every day. <laughs> yeah. So it I know he's out. I see lizards all the okay. time. Okay. Think how it's think how absolutely <laughs> quiet. You know, I I can't imagine like we're we're a block away from a riverbed, and in the spring I hear the coyote pups yipping. Oh, I could hear them last night. night. Yeah. Okay. And I like that sound, even though they're mm-hmm. wild and they're and they're that close yeah. to us, but and they interact, but. Think about a world where none of that. I mean, we don't. It becomes white noise to us, even what's out there. But think how silent. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah. So that was terrifying when you think about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I really really enjoyed this book. Um, I have a lot of sympathy for the character as she was unveiled and her um her neuroses. Um, though my experience in life is not hers. Right, but her neuroses really spoke to me. Um, so I'm going to jump into questions. Um, okay. The novel's epigraph is taken from a poem by Rumi. Forget safety. Live where you fear to live. Mm-hmm. How does that directive, res- that directive resonate throughout Franny's life? Do you think it's good advice? So Franny's our wanderer. Mm-hmm. she takes risks which is what makes niles fall in love with her right like you know of course he's he's intrigued by her but you know he's fallen in love with her while he watches her swim out to these reckless children right <laughs> do you but i don't think she actually has fear the way other she doesn't have that cautionary Ooh, fear that she stop, has fear though she has fear but she doesn't <laughs> she have doesn't... the cautionary fear that might that kept night night uh niles on the nile well, he was willing to How do, do the same. Niles. It's, it's Miles with okay. an N. The willing and actual. I'm willing to do a lot of things in my head. Actually jumping in and doing them is a different thing. He stood He stood there like, oh, those poor boys. And she's like, uh, forget this, and jumps in. She was getting his, his clothes off, though. He, she, But she, she told him to stop because he's not. He's like, are you a good swimmer? Oh, no, okay, yeah. yep. Yeah, I don't think it's that she doesn't have fear, but I think the essence of that, you know, poem is that to do the things that are scary, right? And she's not afraid to be afraid, I guess, you know? And it's not that she doesn't have fear, because she does, but Mm. not in everything. But throughout her time on the boat, she jumps in and does stuff that puts them in danger, because maybe it's not a sense of fear, but a sense of caution. I think it's more of a sense of need because she's doing all these things because she has to do them like to fulfill this goal that she has set for herself to finish her life off she can't not get where she needs to go even if it puts other people in danger without volunteering other people for danger she doesn't volunteer the others because i feel like she you know tells them like you know i'm i'm gonna do this or like if you don't want to, I get it. Like, she doesn't actively well, put them in danger. Yeah, she does on the boat. There's times where she goes wandering off and someone has to go save her. And they even t- tell her. But that's not of her own accord. That's, I think, her her inner driven. Or, no, it's her mental illness. It's that she's, oh. you know, okay, oh, she's yeah, sleepwalking. Her sleepwalking. She puts herself in yeah, danger. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. But she not, doesn't do it doesn't, actively. To, that's you know. true. There's absolutely, um, what is the, like, there's absolutely people who are affected by her self-harm. Yeah. So, like, their first nightmare, she's strangling Niall when she's having right. her usual nightmare. 
go to visit her his parents she lets all of the exotic birds out of the cages right <laughs> she's wondering the um... and she's actively like apologetic about it she yeah. said she owns up to it and she's she doesn't do it on purpose. She no. went, she's wandering the reserve. Niall goes to save to find her and get her out of there before they get in trouble for being where humans aren't supposed to be. He falls into the fjord. <laughs> right. Um But that's a, oh, this is great. That's a great match of her and Ennis, though. Because he's not intentionally trying to harm anyone, but how do they meet? Like their meet cute right. is him. He's jumping into the ocean for no reason. And she's like, oh no, I saved this You man. were at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, I was just trying to sober up. Yeah. Right. But everyone around him can see that she saved him. Right. Yeah. They're a perfect match for each other. Reckless, strange behaviors to the outside perceiver. Right. Um, so that, that fear that fearless be or that destructive behavior that endangers others is what she's most afraid of like it ties into her fear of letting anyone love her which i think is her greatest fear is that she will destroy the people that she loves but she's also willing to destroy herself if to save people around you know to even to save strangers so so her unconscious mind is will do self-harm but her conscious self might do self not might risk harm in if to save someone else. So it's an interesting ju- juxtaposition. Oh yeah, she I mean, she is a at she, she's war not afraid with herself. to jump on in. <laughs> she is always at war with herself. Mm-hmm. Um do you think it's good advice? I mean, I don't think it's even advice. I think it's just this is how Franny lives. Like Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't live like Franny, but no. yeah, you know, take risks <laughs> and do scary things sometimes. You know, sure, that's good advice. You know, otherwise you wouldn't do anything. Right. But. My f- husband always always jokes because he never wants the kids to really necessarily just drive drive fast, take chances. Mm-hmm. The take chances part, I yes, but maybe not the drive. Well, yeah, <laughs> maybe drive faster than I do. So. Yes, Grandma. <laughs> hey, I made it. I went eighty to get here. Whoa! <laughs> I didn't know your car could go that fast. Uh, it, oh, you're that- so. But <laughs> Depends on who's driving that car. That's true. Which is why I'm never allowed to drive it. I know. Uh. <laughs> no, you guys just... I'm much more cautious with other people in the car. Without people in the car, I know. I, I know. go fast. I've passed you sometimes. <laughs> I passed you the other day. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's my favorite thing to do at work, is to pass it, because we all come in from the same direction. <laughs> and so I have, I, this, I have this hot tip of, like, which street to turn right on right. to avoid the main street um, and i've given it to one person and oh. he will not do it. He doesn't take it i love which it makes me like him more <laughs> to not take that advice out <laughs> of the pure spite of i will not let Anne be right uh, and that's fine because he's not sharing with anybody else so yeah um anyway so i love it every time we're at the that transition point and i get it to work like three minutes faster than him one little choice three minutes faster um I like I like this because this reveals that we should have known all along. <laughs> Discuss the novel's first lines. The animals are dying. Yeah, see? <laughs> I, I feel like at the beginning it was pretty clear. Soon we will be here alone. How does the disappearance of wildlife in mass extinctions shape the characters in the plot? What are the similarities and differences between Franny's world and our own? Would you describe this novel as dystopia? Why or why not? This question gives credence to what you're both saying of like making an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. But in my head, I was really always reading it as a, a near future dystopia. Like a cautionary tale. Yeah. Or yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, this is where we're headed. So, being that they're fishermen, and I have friends who are commercial fishermen. I've never seen fishermen the way that Fanny paints them. No. I mean, the... I mean, whalers, dolphin killers. Oh, yeah. I've, killers. I've, I've, I see that kind of fishery as I've the been on bloodbath the, look, it is. Even I've been on the whale watching tours where they're not just nicely stalking, but they're like actively hunting down with their boat to get that pic so that their people can get pictures. That was really uncomfortable. Um, you know, there's one point where when, when the kids were little, we were on a boat. There was one company where we used to do homeschool tours and after that, particular ride we did not go with that company anymore um because they they heard where other boats were and they they had too many boats surrounding this really young whale and he started and he tried getting away and they're all like hunting him down with and trying to pin him in with their boats which is really stupid <laughs> and he breached really close to one of them if that being ours and yeah we didn't do that again but I also know some commercial fishermen and they're very respect. They're, they don't overfish maybe because they're a family business, but I kind of felt for this small group. This, this is a small fishing boat. They're not getting, I mean, if they break even, it's one thing, but it's the, you think it's not just all the animals above on land, but it was also the the fish in the waters that were, being seriously depleted and you wonder how that affects how much longer is mankind going to live without yeah all of well, this not selfishly... just as not just as a source of food but right. what they do to make the environmental hab habitable for humans exactly that's what niles has a um a rant near the end of the book when he calls Franny to tell her that the ravens have died mm -hmm. um, and that there are there's no no more they're officially extinct and no more even in their their um, family of birds oh yeah like like that entire Corvidae family is gone from the earth um, and he's talking he's he just goes on this like emotional stream of consciousness of like of course we'll keep the animals that we want to eat alive and we'll kill all the insects because people see them as pests and they don't know how beautiful and amazing they are mm -hmm. because they don't serve an obvious purpose and it's the hubris of humanity like yeah you kill those insects you might as well be committing suicide because those insects are what's keeping your food going right your, your yeah. non-animal food going yeah and even if even if you were even if all you had was animals, they help provide food for the animals you want to eat. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's different takes on what is happening in the world and how to fix it. Because there's that whole part of the book when they're at the sanctuary in Nile and I don't remember the woman's name. Oh, the other scientist. The other yeah. scientist. Oh, the other pretentious. <laughs> they're, you know, they're both, they argue all the time Who about the, like, the things that are That's important at the time. That's a different scientist. That's oh. the one at school. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is the one at the sanctuary. Yeah, so he's like, oh, you know, he has optimism and hope, and she's like, no, this is, you know. And also, we're only going to focus our resources where we see. Right. And it's like, you that's the problem. Right. It's yeah. like humanity it's only sees this narrow view, and we're such, I mean, right now, I still ascribe that we're the dumbest animals on the planet because of how we behaved the last year and a half, but... um. <laughs> That's a whole other thing, but again, That's we're the dumbest. Discussion. Yeah, we're the dumbest <laughs> animals on the planet. Like, how did we get to where we are in the food chain? <laughs> yeah, we have thumbs. Ah, and stand, and we stood up. Yep, like those two things. Ah, bada bing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how different, you know, the different characters react to the different, you know, the 
the problem at hand and and I can't exactly tell what Franny's motivation is except that I think for she feels like for her own sanity she has to know that there's still birds you know so there she's following the 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 arctic turns down to the to the arctic or the antarctic you know to make sure that they get to where they're going because then she has hope that things can still continue the way that they have for so long right if the if they don't make it then there's no chance for mm-hmm. anybody else right oh and ennis's take is like i just have to you know make sure that there are still fish out there so that i can prove that i'm you know a a an effective person you know i can yes i can you know be a that, husband and a father and i can get my kids back and i can you know do all these things and that's what's important to him but he doesn't care so much about the whole environmental aspect of it i don't think as much as he cares about well, like the here and now he and she's, has a place for it in his heart though like yeah when the sea turtles caught in their nets and they let all the fish mm-hmm. go and she's like shocked that that's their reaction she's like it's like you don't think we have any love for, for right. the to see ourselves like <laughs> we're not just like monsters that go about you know taking and taking you know they just like when when my middle son was vegetarian he decided that he wasn't going to have anything he was he didn't you know he was knit he was knitting because he's the one that knows how to knit and he decided he wasn't going to have to do any wool because that was sad. <laughs> he didn't understand that people who keep sheep for wool take care of them because that's that's like you don't you don't abuse the thing that is providing for you. But then maybe some people that's the thing about this other about the world is that people just take things for granted and mm-hmm. they they don't mean to be abusing, but they just are not caring enough to look at the effects of their actions. Oh, that's a good way to perhaps describe her grand. Like they're actually both sides of her relationship with her grandmother. Like her grandmother couldn't see how she her coldness would be shaping Franny, and Franny couldn't see that that woman had like all the love in the world for her until until she was way into this journey. Mm -hmm. Like that's one of my favorite revelations for Franny is her. She goes up to the crow's nest and remembers how she acquired her love of the night. It's sitting in the dark, looking in the endless sky with her grandmother mm-hmm. in the in mm-hmm. the animal or in the barn. I guess this something paddock was in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's amazing to me though is that she's not a scientist. She, but isn't she? She Karen? she care. She's she not an academic. She's not an academic, but she's willing to go out into the field and do stuff. And and all those people at the sanctuary, they're so academic and book learned they don't none of them i mean niles always wanted to go out in the field why didn't he why didn't he push himself to go out into the field well that sanctuary is the closest to the field (laughs) i mean i don't feel and even then he would he would he would only stay within the borders i mean she they're scientists in the academic sense that they're trying to you know figure out the solution to this problem and whatever and i never i didn't feel like that was franny's motivation i don't think she cares to figure out how to fix it you know as much as she just cares to be out there to see it for herself yeah she's not a scientist in the sense that she wants to figure out the answer to the problem that's That's what scientists do is to find the solution which niles and whoever else works at the sanctuary and maybe she just wants to document the passing in this Uh, like a memorial you know it's like if it's she knows something's dying 
and it would be wrong not to at least observe well, it the is passing. A yeah. It is I mean, a memorial. The whole is journey a memorial. is a memorial. Yeah. <laughs> and when we find that out, I don't know if I can talk about it without crying. Um, <laughs> Arctic terns have the longest migration of any animal, and during their lives, they may travel the equivalent distance of, to the moon and back three times. What do Arctic terns symbolize in the novel, and why are Franny and Niall so drawn to them in particular? Um, well, the like relentlessness of life moving forward, mm-hmm. no matter what takes place, like the mm-hmm. pounding of life against you is the the storms, you know. Yes. The the storm that kills the <laughs> her her the one her they're following, yeah, is is the you know pounding of life against us and and pushing forward. Yeah, I think they they represent hope. Mm-hmm. You know, in that that there's you know still hope in knowing that they they can you know persevere and so we can or that you know nature can in some way or form. But if they don't make it, like you know, yeah, I think that no hope. I mean the Arctic turns begin as an importance to Nile, mm-hmm. um, and they are the most most important to him thing to him in death is um, he wants to rest where they where they nest, mm-hmm. um, and. I they they so represent like they represent Franny like in the the um mm-hmm. synopsis there that says that she's as delicate and as hardy as them. Yeah. Like that's such a good way to describe her character because mm-hmm. she is soft. Mm-hmm. And she is fragile and yet she approaches the world like devil may care right hard and and don't worry about me i'll be fine on my own um hammer push people away and on purpose um Mm -hmm. and that these birds they're unfriendly (laughs) they have a a, um driving ambition to move forward Mm -hmm. but niall loves them niall introduces her to them and I think he loves them in the way that, he, like, the things he loves about them may be the same things that drew him to Franny. That that drive, that fragility, but relentlessness. And um, and she's kind of a wild resilience. thing. She's kind of a wild spirit. Yes. Be, and he's not. He's, and maybe that's the opposite, that thing that he admires, that that free, free spirit, you know, devil may, like you said, the devil may care attitude this i think he fell in love with her for sure the moment he saw her dive into the water yeah he was like intrigued by her but he what but the but his you know right he shows up at her house at 3 a.m that same day to be like we're gonna gonna spend our whole life together (laughs) (laughs) which i i appreciate that because i know that is real and true that like i knew i wanted that the moment i knew i wanted to marry my husband was very early in our knowing each other but i felt like if he had told me that at the time i would have been creeped out yeah (laughs) if he had shown up at my door at 3 a.m be like we're gonna spend the rest of our lives together be like this is creepy yeah don't make me don't make me get a restraining order right right (laughs) yeah but she's like okay see but that's let's go get married yep (laughs) wow okay there's not even vegas there (laughs) (laughs) well oh thank god i mean i love their wedding and i love his mother's like well why wasn't i invited i mean if any of my children got married and didn't invite me (laughs) dead to me but (laughs) but like i love that that happened in this book Uh, the first time Franny sees Niall lecture, he quotes Mar- Margaret Atwood, which this is the first time I'm seeing Niall's name written, I mean, in these questions, mm-hmm. 
N-I-A-L-L. So not like Niles. <laughs> I think it's Niall. I think she yeah, calls Niall. him Niles, but I think his name is Niall. Because okay, I heard Niles. Yes. But okay. I think his name is Niall, Niall or Neil. Niall. Niall. Okay. Yeah. Like Niall <laughs> from One Direction. <laughs> I was... <laughs> Sorry. That's how he spells his name. I don't know why I know that. And you... Oh, yeah. I was thinking... Is he Irish also? He's something like that, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Um, so I wanted to spend some time in my brain on like why Margaret Atwood was chosen. And I don't know what book this is from. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ate the birds. We ate them. We wanted their song to flow up through our throats and burst out of our mouths. And so we ate them. We wanted their feathers to bud from our flesh. We wanted their wings. We wanted to fly as they did soar freely among the treetops and the clouds. And so we ate them. Mm. We speared them. We clubbed them. We tangled their feet in glue we netted them, we spitted them, we threw them onto hot coals, and all for love, because we loved them. We wanted to be one with them. Why did he pick that passage? How do the themes of love and destruction echo throughout the novel? I think we've talked about that yeah. mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good quote, though. It's beautiful. <laughs> and it's so perfect. Like, like I, I think that... that passage as far as why Niall may have chosen it in his lecture it both indicts us but gives us like the motive like our motive wasn't out of ugliness and destruction Mm -hmm. it was to be something better than what we started as but where the destruction comes in is it doesn't matter what our intentions are sometimes our best intentions still create damage best road to hell mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um, doesn't matter how great your intentions were you know that's that would be effective know, intentions um, indicted for murder intent is really a big part of that's, big part yeah of that's true it, at least in american law <laughs> but when but when you murder all life because you killed all the animals because you poisoned the environment but you didn't mean to does that count? <laughs> you did it without, like it's thought. It's the thoughtlessness that is the sin. The callousness, yeah. Um, I have always wondered what what um, passenger pigeons taste like, though. <laughs> I've not wondered that. Are they di- are they different like, than regular pigeon? Because I've had pigeons. They're supposed to have been like bigger, fatter, juicier. Like, was it like duck? But we'll never know. Mm. Um, there's. <laughs> I don't know why I know. This. Um, I mean, I do know why I know this, but there's um. Oh, I think they're sandhill cranes. Um, oh. are are known as the ribeye of the sky. Really? Mm-hmm. All they're right. supposed to be very delicious. If you if you have the chance to eat a sandhill crane, they're supposed to be. Okay, why do you know that? Katie? Um, because my <laughs> cousin in law really wants to eat one and talks about it all the time. If he sees a fly, a crow fly, or a bird flying overhead, he's like, "Oh my god, it's the ribeye of the sky." We don't have sandhill cranes around here. Like you have to like go. I don't know where they are, but you have to go somewhere and get a permit and have to do this whole process in order to eat one. But do people normally like eat cranes, or is that just like roadkill that someone discovered? I wow, mean, this someone, is good. I have no idea. I think that humanity has probably tried to eat everything. <laughs> That's probably true. That is very true. Maybe we got to where we are because we're the hungriest. Um, I think it's because we developed refrigeration. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, other animals they new. can only they can only eat what they can what they can carry for that day or whatever's left over gets picked off by the next level of species, but food um food preservation for sure. Mm-hmm. 
what does Ireland represent to Franny? Australia? Discuss the importance of home and belonging in this novel and how Franny search Franny's search for it shapes her life. I think Ireland feels like home to her yeah. and Australia never did. Yep. Um, it's her home and native land. It's where her mother's from. It's where her family's from. You know, she doesn't know who her dad is. She has no connection to her father or her father's family. So when she's sent to Australia, she's like, this, I don't know any of these people. I don't know why I'm here. I don't, you know, I don't belong here. But when she's in Ireland, she feels like she is, you know, at home, I mm-hmm. think, um, is what I got from it. But I, <laughs> I was thinking when I was reading this, that this is stupid, but I have been to Ireland and mm-hmm. I've heard people like, you know, in novels like this or whatever, talk about like when they, they come back to their like native home. They're like, they have this feeling like this is where I belong. Right. And I always joke that that's how I felt in Ireland. Oh. I'm like maybe 30% Irish. I don't remember what my DNA oh my was, but we figured it out once. So I was like joking, like, oh, this is where my people are from. Like, I don't know anything about my heritage because I'm like a generic white lady yeah. from all over the place. <laughs> but I always joked that when I got to Donegal, and I was like, there's there's all these little lambs and it's beautiful and these green rolling hills. I was like, this is where my soul is meant to be. I'm gonna this is where my ancestral land is. So I, I felt like Franny and I mean hers is obviously much more realistic and yeah. mine was a joke, but Well, I I feel a little sad this year as St. Patrick's Day approaches because it is still my favorite holiday. But I found out in the last couple of years that most of my Irish Irish heritage is a farce. Oh no. That oh. <laughs> um my great grandfather's last name is Arnie. And mm-hmm. he was like I- Irish to the bone and so proud of that. And he grew up in um, like between his family's from between French Canada and um, and Minnesota, but they were rooted in an Irish enclave. So um, Arnie is a uh, bastardization of Arnold and it's part of Benedict Arnold's family. <laughs> oh. Not directly in his line, but it was a cousin right. of ours. Which I am delighted by, and then now I'm sad because there is some still Irish heritage in my family line, but I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. So I feel that much less Irish. That's kind of funny. Sorry. This I love particular it, part of her story really kind of resonated with me as someone who was constantly moving around as a child. I think it's more of a the the need to feel rooted someplace to have a place of belonging when you grew up not feeling like you were belong like you belonged anywhere is really really important even if you wander part of being able to be sane and feel um a sense of connection is that it's a, that sense of home right mm-hmm. it's not just a place it's it's just it can be any place but try if you don't if when you're a wanderer you you feel untethered you feel like yeah, she never had that she really never, true sense of home and, and and to feel grounded inside it you almost need a like a base uh, in your mind a place where you yeah. know you belong uh, that's, that's and she never i think that's what nile was to her not necessarily. Nile was home. Yeah, Nile was he home. He was a sense of she grounding. She was worried that he would leave. You know, she's like, I'm going to leave, but please be there when I come back. And he promised that she, he would be for her. And he was. But he but, but she still kept searching for her mother. Even when she yeah. was with him, that, that, the, the story. he tells her. 
Yeah, not until he tells her what happened to her mother, which this is the most the longest. No, I I thought I explicitly saying the spoilers. Oh, I know. (laughs) No, I thought really matter. No, no, I thought she kept searching and kept searching, kept searching. She kept going and taking trips and talking to people and interviewing. First year of their marriage, for their first anniversary, he tells her that he knows that his her mother is dead. And he tells her that she knows that her yes. mother is dead. Which then why then does she go searching? Re- it comes becomes a reoccurring thing that she reveals to us again and again that these memories of death blip out of her it's mind. It's like a recovered memory. She doesn't know yeah. that her mom that she saw her mom hanging dead in their home. Mm. She doesn't remember that because that's it's pretty out trauma. Of yeah. yeah, that that's the kind of thing you shut back and you tuck in a drawer and you stuff down. And she's and so afraid on, of death. Yeah, from yeah. then on, she avoids going near anything that could is near death or mm-hmm. has just died, like the bird. Right in 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 the um in the lecture hall that was yeah right. she's repulsed by that bird. Then there's another time they're walking on. She has a, it's another memory. She's walking on the seashore and she. She remembers that she forgot that there was a dead bird in the mm-hmm. in the stones, mm-hmm. um, and just other times of like, and and ultimately the biggest right. deaths in in this, which is the deaths caused by the car accident, which again is so artful in our learning of Franny mm-hmm. because. She goes on and on saying she's a murderer. Right. And, and you're then, like, who did she murder? Right. And somewhere in there when she's arrested, they said they're both dead, Franny. Yeah. And then we find out she had a daughter. I knew Niall was gone, but I wasn't sure. My if whole he was... thought was like, okay, he's definitely dead. She right. killed him. I don't know how, <laughs> but it was manslaughter. So it was an accident. I thought she had murdered her, him and her daughter right. for the longest time, but then she didn't. Yeah. Uh, when she we... had a miscarriage. Yeah. And, I was like, okay, who's this other person? And then my killed? heart completely softens to her, one hundred percent. Like, and then when we find out that that it's Niall who who died in the car accident, and then a stranger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I'm just, I, I'm still broken about it. <laughs> I just wanted him to be back at the yeah, university. I knew he wasn't. I, I, yeah. Well, because she keeps writing, she keeps writing letters thing. to him. There so, uh, so the I can't. Were I were I knew she was never going to send those letters. That she was wasn't ever going to send them, but I kept thinking, she's. This is again trying to make that connection. You're right. He is even when he's not here, when he doesn't, yeah. when he's no longer alive, he is still her tether. There was a point. In- so writing letters is her trying to be tethered. This still, one thing that kept me from thinking he was dead is when, when she's, she's in prison. Yeah, when she's talking to the lawyer and mm-hmm. she's like, "I'm going to fire her again." And then they're like, but the, um, oh gosh, what's Niall's last name? Because she refers to the family name. Yeah. They, 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 they want me out of here. So it's like, well, maybe Niall is, is still alive and begrudgingly helping her. I thought it was when she was talking to the lawyer and she asked her like, Franny, have you heard from Niall since you've been in here? That's fair. I was like, wait a minute. Like, I, I, I intended to go back and re-listen to that then knowing that he actually was dead. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that, but. There are two different. Those That's are two what hung me up in my mind. I was like, "Wait, well, maybe he's not dead, but he's got to be dead." Yeah, I um, I, never, I did listen a second time. <laughs> it took me a while to understand why is his mother helping her. His mother hated her, I but, think she her mother but she didn't. But she didn't. She was just rude. That it was an accident. Her, her mother, mother is apologized. a cold, cold woman. <laughs> she is. She I don't is think a... she is though. I think she well, was maybe at the she's like Franny, but she outwardly. 
yeah. hard. She she forgives her for if she was that cold and hard, she, she would have never forgiven her for you know letting her birds go or for marrying yeah. her son or whatever. And that was wanted nothing amazing. to do with her. Yeah, that was amazing. Her turn, right? Because like, like, in okay, the morning she was like, "It's okay," and I was like, "Oh, I did not expect it to go this no. way." She was, and she apologized for being cold and. You know, rude at dinner and stuff like that. Well, was, that was a half. That was. Apology. I mean, yeah. That was... <laughs> I thought she did it in because she knew that that's what her son would want. And I, I agree. Like it's to honor her shred, son, a shred of Nile that she can be a part of. Like they mm-hmm. can take that comfort from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was really surprised that the yeah, second she wasn't person... as cold as I thought she was going to. Be. Fair, yeah. I um. I was really surprised when the second person was not the daughter. Yeah. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you have this revelation when she's talking to um, Anik. Is that his mm-hmm. name? Yeah. And they're talking oh. about what happens when you die. And she's and like, maybe my daughter will be there. Yeah. Oh I was my like, God. Oh, okay. Well, now we know she's dead. Yeah. Well, first you're like, oh, she has a daughter. Oh, okay. Her daughter's dead. Yeah. But you didn't know anything more about that. And I was like, okay, well, apparently him and the daughter. Yeah. I don't know. And for some reason, I thought, well, maybe they both were died in the accident, and then you have to find out, nope, something different. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. There's so many layers to the story. I love that it's it's these layers that are reveal it's more and more depth. It it's not like there's ha- red herrings that make you intentionally. There's no misdirection. No. No. Yeah. There's just enough vagary that your brain fills in the blanks. And then also, you get to see, oh, it's not like that. It's, oh. You're sort of falling for this front that Franny's putting up from the very beginning that she's mm-hmm. a scientist. Like, you, you're you a victim of that as well as everybody else in her world yep. at the beginning. She's like, oh, I'm yeah. a scientist, I'm doing this and that. And you're like, okay, you take it at face value. And then you realize that that's just all, you know, a facade that she has put up in order to get where she wants to go. It's but use- I always remember. It's useful. Yeah. I always was excited when I was listening to it. When there was a new chapter break or whatever, and it was like, you know, Ireland 12 years ago, I was like, oh, okay, cool. We're going to find out something new that happened. I was so utterly distracted by the choice. I loved it, but utterly distracted by the choice to keep the book in present tense. Yes. No matter where we were in time, she is always telling this story as she is living it. As in she's this experiencing it at moment. that it, moment. It, it did take a bit for me to I always had to pause and think okay I know they're telling me this is happening then but to put the the jigsaw puzzle pieces the timeline together it still took a little it work makes sense though I didn't mind it in this book though sometimes no, I don't like that beautifully done yeah beautifully it makes done. sense because she doesn't remember all these things that right. have happened either so she right. couldn't be like oh I went and I did this because she doesn't know you know I'm gonna I wanna something else I noted um that was a something Franny says about that wondering and how she adapts to be a wonderer and make that her survival routine uh-huh. um when she is hitching and she catches the ride with the um the surfer girls uh-huh. and they're like well what are you gonna do next what are you doing with your life yeah. and she's like oh I thought my life was just here with me Mm-hmm. which is like her perfect adaptation to be completely self-contained world. Yeah. Um, they're like, isn't your life back in. Dublin yeah. That's or wherever, what, yeah. Or wherever she's, um, can't remember, but, um, yeah, Galway. That's it. Galway. Um, she, she, um, I think it was like the perfect response to mm-hmm. something I 
yeah, we have yeah. all heard, which is wherever you go, there you are. Mm-hmm. She likes that. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, this yes. is perfect. I can, you know, trust that. <laughs> It's like her own life is a mobile home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she do anything else. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I sometimes fall victim to the like, I'll go do this and things will be different. And then remember the wherever I go, there I'll be. <laughs> but maybe that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, take me along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I like the introduction of that idea. Of, it's not so bad to go along with yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Why does Franny take responsibility for the deaths of Niall and Greta? Greta is the other person who died in the car accident. Do you think she is right to blame herself and plead guilty? Yeah, that was interesting. I don't like that that's what happened to her. But I think it's perfectly in character for her to punish herself for it. Yeah. I mean, she's been punishing herself for her mother's death. Mm-hmm. Even though she wasn't like cognizant of it being that. Right. But um that's not her fault. You know, someone chooses suicide for whatever reason. Uh-huh. That is not the fault of the people left behind. But right. this poor little girl has been punishing herself for it for her whole life. So I think it's completely in character. I don't think I don't think it's I think I don't think it was it was a miscarriage of justice for her to be yeah. convicted because she's not in a healthy mental state. It right. was an accident. And they could have known that. Yeah. Except the one, the forensic evidence that there was no breaking. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> And true. she was in this heated conversation with Niall about what was going to happen next for them. Right. But they still could have considered it a crime of passion at, at the at at most. They, I, yeah. And her lawyer is right that she was convicted in a in a state of mind that was unfit and right. you know that wasn't fair to her but um do you this is not a question in these questions but do you think that she saw the owl yeah i well i actually don't know i haven't thought about this i don't but... think she's a a waking hallucinator no um but she does have an untrustworthy perception sometimes so I don't know. I think she does. I think that she is lucky enough to see things like that. She saw an owl. She was friends with the crows at the end when they make it to where they're going and there's a whale and there's the terns and there's fish and there's yeah. like all these things. I I didn't mm-hmm. doubt that she actually saw it. I think she did because she's an observer. She observes things that True. other people, she's observing things that other people just don't notice because lots of these things that people don't notice are like visual white noise. Yeah. They tune it out. Which they... is why humanity's letting everything disappear in mm-hmm. this reality. They're not paying attention. And even when they are paying attention, like um, is it Samuel who goes yeah. home to um, Newfoundland, his daughters pay attention. Yeah. But they're focused on their sustainability, like their sustenance as well as mm-hmm. doing it sustainably. Mm-hmm. But But that's what they're focused on. You know, yeah. as a as a family unit, um, I and the other thing I was wondering about, and I wanted to look this up and didn't take the time to, so I'm interested if you guys have any knowledge on this. So, like ravens and owls are very symbolic birds throughout human mythology, mm-hmm. like, but different mythologies have different takes on them, right? Like some traditions, like Ireland and Scotland, see ravens as 
you know, harbingers of, of bad. Yeah. And owls, I don't know what the mythology in, you know, Western Europe around owls are per se, but I know that in many cultures they're good luck. Mm-hmm. But these, the, but then sometimes ravens are, are good luck right. in other mm-hmm. cultures. So I'm like, I don't know what's, what's happening with this choice to have the ravens at the beginning of her life. Right. And the owls causing this disruption in her, in her life. Do you guys have any insights about what those I might don't, mean? I don't. I don't. I'm still, I'm still I'm not like, I don't know if it's as deep as that, but I don't understand it you enough don't to think, maybe appreciate it, I guess. You don't think it's like a very deliberate choice? I'm sure, I'm sure it could be. I just don't understand the nuances enough yeah to, okay you know, i don't to, either <laughs> to appreciate i feel that. like it bears exploration so i'll i want to look deeper into it um i just finally finished the viking series mm-hmm. and raven is the um this like the sigil of the lead character and um and he's a wanderer mm-hmm. like he has to go forth into the world and conquer and I, maybe that's why that's for franny at the start <clears throat> but why is an owl which is generally a portent of good yeah why did an owl do this to her life <laughs> why why did the author yeah, choose an owl? an owl yeah i don't know <laughs> so, i mean what anyway. else would have been flying around at night fair enough well <laughs> there are some other things no i, I think. know that <laughs> i know it had to be a bird <laughs> i don't know if, yeah i don't know um bats are bird adjacent <laughs> yeah <laughs> um franny believes the world is worth worse than death it's worse than anything do you agree what is she afraid of well she's afraid of love <laughs> yeah i mean i don't agree because Right. I don't want to kill yeah. myself. And she doesn't agree at the end. <laughs> right. Thankfully. She decides thankfully. that she doesn't believe that anymore. No. Yeah. Thankfully she does not. And she gets a new chapter and, and she hears Niall's voice from beyond to, mm-hmm. to drive her to survive. Um No, I do not agree. The fear the fear world is oh, the fear world. I didn't say it very clearly. The fear world might be worse than death. Yeah, I could, I could see that. But, but she emerges from it and does not like she. She has a death of that version of Franny. I mean, like you said earlier, we are a very dumb species as humans, but also we're not. You know, yeah, we understand mm-hmm. that it's that a we deep can be better. Life. You can be, you yeah. can become better than your fear, and you don't have to be a victim of it. I mean, it's hard for a lot, for some people. It's a lot harder for some people, but yeah. Uh, at a few key moments in the novel, including on the last page, Franny remembers her mother's advice. Look for the clues to life. They're hidden everywhere. What does she mean? Discuss the role of fate versus free will in these characters' lives. Hmm. Well, I, I think looking for the clues is how you how Franny empowers her free will. Yeah. Because if she looks for the the looks in the direction that life is pointing her mm-hmm. she could has a myriad of choices oh this is that's a lot yeah so just, like, it's a big question <laughs> free will because as i'm saying i'm like oh life pointed her isn't that predestination but you could choose any like she's she could have chosen any boat captain to really push herself on yeah, and she, she shows up, and the name of the boat is the Raven, and she's like, "Well, this is fate," you know. Yeah, I think she's aware of fate in her life. Yeah, but the way that she met meets Ennis mm-hmm. with because on my second listen, because at first I could I was like so discombobulated about that scene of 
diving in to save him, finding out that, and like, oh, this is the captain she's looking for. I knew from the very beginning that's who that was. I, I had, when you met her outside. Yeah, I, was I didn't like, oh, get that's it. The captain. Yeah, I didn't get it till the second lesson. Oh, I'm okay. like, who's this dude? <laughs> I was like, oh, we're looking for a person. Oh, look, here's a person. <laughs> Must be the same person. <laughs> no, I was very like, I, I think it's a symptom of having trouble having like gotten in the start uh-huh. of this book. Uh-huh. I wasn't like fully engaged. So I, I missed that. Oh, this is Innis, but it's not by design. It's that yeah. she tripped into him yeah. mm-hmm. um, and their natures brought them together. <laughs> oh, does she have free will? <laughs> yeah, she does. Because at the end of her life, she decides that she she's not going to kill herself. Yeah. She's going to keep living. Yeah, because if she was bound by fate, she was fated to get to Antarctica. She got to Antarctica. Fated to get into the water, you know. And she did. Yeah. And she's she like, fulfilled that. And, and she's she like, died. Actually, you know right? what? And, and she died. died. And she yeah. didn't really have plans after that. So. That's as I re-listened to that moment because I wanted to be in that mindset before we started. I listened to that this morning. And the like uh, Leia is always appalled by her without mm-hmm. knowing why she is the way she is. Like, you don't seem like a woman on the run, she says. And she's, she's like, I'm not. I'm not a woman on the run. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a woman with a destination and a plan. I so mean, what it- is, I mean, obviously, like, she goes back, she finishes her prison sentence, she gets her degree. Yes. And, and, and meets her dad. It comes back to, I think, the point that what she's looking for the whole time is hope. Because once she gets to the end, and she expects there not to be any birds at all, she doesn't expect to find anything, I think, by the end of it. And when she does, and she gets there, and she sees that they're there, and there's a whale, and there's fish, and there's wildlife there, she's like, oh, well, I guess not all is lost. Which gives her the hope to continue to live so that she can actually now become a scientist and do something to, Mm -hmm. to help. Those those are all the questions I like from this list. Because okay. well, we've, we've, we've organically discussed all the rest. Okay. <laughs> well, we've reached about our time, so yeah. that was a good. Yeah. I um, like this book a lot. Yeah, I would definitely. I mean, obviously, if you've listened this far, I would recommend reading it. Yeah, <laughs> I should have yeah, said yeah. that at the top. Um, but I did like that it, you know, I liked it. I was surprised by it. I'm glad I, like, chose this book from a, you know, from oh. the source I did, which was the LA Times um, book club. Because I also would not have chosen this book. I'd heard of it, and I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I, I would recommend it to people now that I have finished it, because it was it was engaging, and it was mm-hmm. entertaining. It, it was it was tedious at points. Yeah. But I did, I'm glad it wasn't any longer than it was. Overarching, I completely enjoyed the journey. Yeah. Well, that is it for Migrations, but now it's Karen's choice what to pick got the us? next book for the next book. So our next book is by Jacqueline Woodson. It's called Red at the Bone. Okay. Can you give us a little a little synopsis or something? Two families from different social classes are joined together. Is this the same book? Yep. By an unexpected pregnancy and the child that it produces, moving forward and backward in time. Oh, another one of those. <laughs> with the power, yeah, with the power of poetry and the emotional richness of a narrative ten times its length. Ooh. Jacqueline Woodson's ex- no, <laughs> no, I know, I know. The, ri- I know the meaning. It's not. It's. I get it. What is the hours? We'll just stop there. <laughs> um. 
What is the hours? Oh, it's only three it's hours only and four it's hours long. Four hours long. So it's. Are you kidding me? Three yeah. hours and fifty-two minutes. Oh my minutes. god! You, <laughs> get a, you get yeah. a win a win a. But I okay, have a gold star. This is good because okay. I have like a lot of books I want to read this month. So. Okay, cool. but it sounds like it's going to be a tearjerker, okay. a really emotional, like they the concentrated okay, emotion. Continue. Okay, I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Jacqueline Woodson's extraordinary new novel, whenever this was in two thousand. Oh, in two thousand nineteen. Mm-hmm uncovers the role that history and community have played with the experiences, decisions, and relationships with these families and in the life of this child. As the book opens in 2001, it is the evening of a 16-year-old Melody's coming-of-age ceremony in her grandparents' Brooklyn Brownstone. Watched lovingly by her relatives and friends, making her entrance to the soundtrack of Prince, she wears a special custom-made dress, but the event is not without poignancy. Sixteen years earlier, that very dress was measured and sewn for a different wearer, her mother, for her own ceremony, a celebration that ultimately never took place. Because her mother was pregnant then. The shame. The shame. Unfurling the history of Melody's parents and grandparents to show how they arrived at this moment, Woodson considers not just their ambitions and successes, but also the costs, the tolls they paid for striving to overcome expectations and escape the pull of history. As it explores sexual desire and identity, ambition, gentrification, education, class, and status, and the life-altering facts of parenthood, Red at the Bone most strikingly looks at the ways at which young people must so often make long-lasting decisions about their lives, even before they have begun to figure out who they are and what they want to be. So your plan is to rip my soul open. Yeah. Okay. In only four hours. Yeah. <laughs> With it yeah. only being four hours, I already went on the cloud library and, like, borrowed the the book uh-huh. but if it's only that like i might just read it <laughs> you know it's only four <laughs> you know, hours that's a good point i might I look for an actual copy of it i haven't read read one of these in a little bit yeah uh a good little shorty yeah. <laughs> okay well we will meet you in oh wait any oh. reading recommendations from the month i've not read anything else uh yeah yeah, yeah i never yeah. Read hold, on, hold on else. i always <laughs> skip this segment you're gonna be real surprised one time when i come back i'm like guess what i read something sometimes you have something let me go to my library because I... so yeah, what happens is I, I didn't I didn't realize how much I read until I go through my library and I'm like, okay, so N.K. Jemison wrote, um, this is the first book of what's called the Great Cities Trilogy, and um, it's called The City We Became, and these, it's, it's a little sci-fi, but, but not, I mean, but like in present time, it's not like aliens or anything like that, it's like, good versus evil but i'm like i finished this book and i'm like when is the second book coming out Ooh, you have oh to my now. gosh and it's like she wrote it and it just came out a, literally a year ago this this uh this month and i'm like and then covid happened and i'm like really hoping that i mean everything's digital she could still be writing it she could still be putting published right now like three years for the last like the next book of outlander to come that was supposed to come out two years ago <laughs> but so, nk nk jemison is like really prolific she has all- so in the meantime i went back and i started the inheritance trilogy by, by the same author uh-huh. but um but yeah so the city we became is especially with the audio now i'm told now i'm i'm a west coaster so to me the the voices in the audiobook that do the different boroughs sound like what i expect 
<laughs> but having spoken to some New Yorkers, they're like, no, that's all wrong. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> Suspend disbelief. That's what you must do every time you enter. But the author is a New Yorker. World. So I would think that she would have, maybe she's has nothing to do with the audio yeah, book like and the, the voices. Can different. I, can I add an, add an asterisk right here and say that the narrator of the audio book for that, for narrations wasn't yeah was incredible i agree all of her oh, accents were yeah. incredible it was so perfect like she did such a good job anyway yes. it was so good so perfect. yes 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 so like good. the way because it's so important the nuance of franny's accents yes. and the oh yes i she's completely Irish, agree yeah australian completely people agree. like where are you from and you it's so good so, sorry yeah totally, totally no agree. that's the, when she's speaking for anna that, that's true okay perfect. so that's so true when you yeah. have an audio audio book there's some audio books where they the the narrator does a horrible job distinguishing the different characters. Migration or, or some people or they do don't do less anything. good jobs, like yeah. um, with Jim. Yes, uh, Dale. Jim Dale versus Stephen Fry. Fry. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. You're welcome. Uh, Stephen Fry is an excellent audiobook reader, but Jim, Jim Dale, Dale so good. Out of the water. Yeah. Some people would argue with us. A lot of people would argue. With I don't us, care. Bring so, it. So migrations. Kudos to the to the narrator yeah, of the audiobook yeah, because their name was. I fully believe I was fully be- hearing different characters. Yeah. My brain did not did not even say this is, you know, this is one person. My brain yeah. told me these are different people talking. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> The author's name was, or not the author, the narrator's the name. Mm-hmm. I can't find it, but it was a. Um, they said it so many times, and I did not absorb it. <laughs> it was like a an ambiguous name because at first I thought it was going to be a man, and I was like, oh, because I like listening. Like I would rather listen to a woman tell the story of a woman. Yeah, I yeah. Can't um, figure out. Oh, Barry. B a r r i e, and I was like, that's, well, uh, that's a man's name. Yep. She was great. Um, those are I have to check those out because I love series, very much love series. Um, but I might stay away from the one that you're desperately waiting for. <laughs> so you're not also desperately waiting. Well, I you know I hate that feeling. That's why I love to like wait till a series is almost done and uh-huh. then binge up to the end, which is terrible because how do they get more funding if you don't right, partake if you're not there in it? From the beginning? Yeah. Um, I read it. Yeah. I don't have any super good recommendations. Um, I um, am reading a book with my daughter, which I will recommend. My recommendation is go back and reread the books you loved from your childhood. Mm -hmm. We're reading Benicula right now. Oh, (laughs) I love Benicula. And then I opened the book. It's an anniversary copy of it. I gave her for Christmas. And it has, I had no idea. Like, I read all the Benicula books, but I did not know that the the author of those books had written, like, 30 novels. Wow, that's crazy. (laughs) So we're going to dig into that. Oh, that's fun. So reread the childhood books you love. Mm -hmm. Either to yourself or if you need an excuse to read aloud to someone. That's even better because then you have a bond over the book. So that's my rec. Well, we will meet you in April for Red to the Bone. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Red to the Bone. Yep. Okay. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. All right. Bye. Happy reading. Bye.